Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I Talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Just walk with your Hi, welcome to Safe Recovery. Uh, This is Monica, and I'm your host. Tonight, we have a really special guest, somebody who I wanted to have on very early on when I started this show, Safe Recovery on Blog Talk Radio, and it is Jim Christopher from SOS, and uh, so I'm really excited to have him on. Today is March 20th, 2012. It's almost been a year. I think uh, it was the end of March that I had my very first show on Blog Talk Radio. And I am just going to bring on our guest. Hi, Jim. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Good. So we got a good connection. And uh, I'm happy to have you on. So um, I'd like to start with a little bit of history I'm so excited about having you on. I forgot to give you like a better intro. <laughs> so, um, Jim has written seven books. Uh, four books, but some four, articles. Yeah. Four books. And um, what is the uh, the name of the, your favorite book? What would you say out well, of all the books you've written? I guess the first one is uh, always the, that would be. Uh, uh, how to Stay Sober, Recovery Without Religion. That was the first one. Mm-hmm. And then but Unhooked you did in 1989? Unhooked and then SOS Sobriety, but also one that is uh, was a lot of fun and something I believe in a lot was uh, Escape from Nicotine Country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, how long have you, did you write that as you were quitting smoking? I wrote it right after I stopped smoking, um and that would be about 93. I stopped drinking in 78, but I didn't stop smoking till 93. <laughs> That's a lot of years. You were still puffing away, huh? That's right. Um, so, everybody, this is Jim Christopher. He is the founder of SOS, which stands for Secular Organizations for Sobriety or Save Ourselves. Uh, you created it back in 1985, correct? That's correct. Mhm. And um you want to tell us uh what brought you to creating uh Secular for Sobriety? Well, I had been I got sober as I said uh, April 24th of 78 mm-hmm. and 
I got sober on my own. I shook it out in my own place and and um, had a very visceral experience, and that was very important to me, I found. It was a separate issue. Mm-hmm. That's what we use. In, and so as a separate issue from everything else mm-hmm. um, is I just can't drink and or use and get away with it anymore. Mm-hmm. So uh, when that happened, I... Uh, heard that uh, you know naturally the place you go for support would be uh, 12-step groups mm-hmm. so uh, I'd always heard this and and uh, so I went and uh, I backed away from it pretty soon I tried to give it everything I could I mean mm-hmm. I read the big book and all that stuff but um, some of it was sort of troubling to me and uh, I felt very um you know, very, very strongly about my sobriety. Mm -hmm. I was like a sobriety freak, if you will. But Mm -hmm. this other stuff, I didn't know, what's that all about? I mean, why is it necessarily linked, you know, sobriety equals this, or you must do this to stay sober, or this is the only way, or that sort of thing. And so I was very enthusiastic about my sobriety, and these folks could tell that. Mm -hmm. But one telling thing was when I went to a meeting early on, I was happy to be sober. So I'd gone to this exciting, stimulating lecture about something. I don't remember what it was, but it was a lot of fun and a lot of good questions asked, and I was just pretty high from doing this, you know, I mean, natural high. And so I came into a, an AA meeting, which I thought, these are my buddies, you know. Right, these are right. And I said, oh, you know, I've just been to a to a lecture, and I heard such and such, and this guy looked at me very seriously and uh, with a stern look on his face and said, you belong here, not there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, geez, what is this place? What's mm-hmm. going on here? That yeah. was one of my first clues that this is like, uh, you know, sobriety is great, but what is all this cult-like, uh, let me tell right. you how to live stuff? What, what were some of the things um, that you uh, saw, like a, just a, like a few sentences back, you said that you, there were things you saw that were uh, very disturbing. Um, can you give us some examples as well, early, yeah, early on? Well, early on at speakers' meetings, um, I heard... Um, well, first of all, I'll, I'll say how I got the separate issue, which was great to get that early on. You might say, well, what in the world is that? Well, uh, I learned from personal experience that if someone is psychotic even, mm-hmm. they have they have uh, psychotic breaks or, or they, they maybe, you know, have a lot of other issues, right. they can still get and stay sober as a separate issue from everything else with unresolved issues raging. I'm not championing that. I'm just saying that it can be done, and that's very hopeful and wonderful. Because I went to this huge rally AA meeting early on. This is many years ago. You know, Mm -hmm. I've been sober now 33 years. So in my first year, I guess it was, I went to this thing. It was like maybe five, six hundred people or whatever it was, and they lost their top speaker for the evening. I was close enough to hear this stuff. They said, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? He's not here. And they said, put her on. This woman, she's well-dressed, she's well-spoken, she's sober about nine years. Mm-hmm. Put her on, uh, she comes every, well, you know, she's one of the core members, I heard. Right. So, so they put her on, 
and she spoke beautifully about her life and sobriety and her recovery and mm-hmm. all this, and she knew how to do sobriety, obviously. Right. But at the end, when I'm talking about the separate issue method and you stay sober no matter what condition your mind is in, <laughs> she said at the end, but you know my landlord is trying to rape me through the keyhole of my apartment. And I thought, wow, this woman has mental issues, but she's still staying sober as a separate issue. Mm -hmm. And that was very inspiring to me. It gave me a great deal of hope because in the situation with a lot of the AA talk, don't get too tired, don't get too tall, don't get too black, don't get too white, don't get too this, too that, or whatever. It's like walking on eggshells. And I thought, I'm a human being. I'm imperfect. I've got warts. Yeah. So, I, I the one, another thing that gave me great hope early on. I mean, it was astronomically impressive to me that someone stood up once at a early on AA meeting and said he had five years of sobriety. Imagine that five yeah. years, <laughs> and he said uh, about resentments, and people were hanging on his every word. He had five years resentments. <laughs> Make me resentful. Thank you very much. And then he went and sat down. And he was saying to those folks, uh, I'm still sober and I get resentments. I have human feelings that come right. and go. Right. And I don't have to monitor my feelings with a thermometer. Right. And I can live, uh, I can relax, breathe, live, and have a, a free and open life and uh, still stay sober. Some of these people I would think were like individuals and they hadn't bought into the robotics. Right. I think back then, though, too, you know, because I went to AA the first time in 75, that and it was Hawaii, so it wasn't influenced by, you know, a cult meeting here in Los Angeles. People were way more very independent and, you know, free thinkers, and um, it, it was very, very different. Otherwise, yeah. I don't think I would have even been interested. But uh, I, I do hear what you're saying. So, now you you stepped back and you stayed uh, you know sober on your own for how long before you? Well, then? I backed away from AA and but I was joyously sober. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just uh, thrilled by. I don't know about anybody else, but it's nice to have uh, your life back, your survival system, you know, uh, intact again, and and uh, being able to make. Uh, decisions, uh, although it might be imperfect, mm-hmm. you have an authentic life. Mm-hmm. And self-empowerment and self-esteem is is uh, beginning to happen and that sort of thing. So uh, that was happening for me. And every so often, I would think, maybe AA wasn't that bad. After all, I went back to a meeting and I thought, oh my God, it's as bad as I recalled it. So I stayed away for about... Uh, seven or eight years or something like that because I got sober in 78. But mm-hmm. then I, I wrote a little article called Sobriety Without Superstition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it went into a magazine called A Free Inquiry. The, that's a, an international humanist magazine. Mm-hmm. And people responded and said, we feel that way too. There should be something else uh, mm-hmm. out there besides uh, 
AA. And so I started giving little talks at Unitarian churches and so forth. You know, the Unitarian church is where they burn a a question mark on your lawn instead of a cross. Right. Right. So I gave these talks and, uh, This woman came to a meeting, I remember early on, to a talk, and she said, you know, I've driven 40 miles to hear this, and we should Mm -hmm. have an alternative. Why don't you start one? Mm -hmm. So I was sort of the reluctant founder, I guess. So I started something way back in the day. Wow. uh, In 84, we we had a few meetings in homes and stuff, sort of looking for what we were going to do, but in 85-86, uh, these meetings started meeting in public places, and, and on the kitchen table, I came up with these, um, you know, the structure of a meeting, and I tried to keep it as dogma-free as I could, because I saw this as a meeting of individuals uh, collectively who want to keep their individualism Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't want, you know, I don't want to tell you how to live and vice versa. Right. Because we want to get sober, stay sober, and support each other right. in a safe, secular environment. Why secular? Because uh, the Catholic lady told me early on, I want a separation of church and recovery. <laughs> so uh, this is, you know, we've had all sorts of folks attend our meetings, but if you did a survey, you would find most folks are of the secular bent, but not not all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's uh, it's more of a free thought forum. Right. Now, I want to let everybody know, because I want to get into, you know, the philosophy and maybe what, what goes on at a meeting, but I want to let everybody know, where can you attend a meeting in Los Angeles? Well, there are numerous places. I do one every Tuesday at uh, the Center for Inquiry at 4773 Hollywood Boulevard, and you mm-hmm. can... Check us out at uh, sossobriety.org and look at the meetings there. We have meetings in the West Side. We have meetings in the Glendale, and we have meetings downtown, L.A., and so forth. Do you have and any have in the Orange Valley? County. Do you have any in the Valley in San Fernando Valley? Glendale is, is the closest we come to the Valley at the D.D. Hirsch Mental Health uh, Center. We have meetings there. Oh, that's that's good. That's really good. So I'm reading here, um, this is a, your bio, just to let people out there know that SOS, this is what, what's written on your page, there's over 20,000 members worldwide. Um, it's an abstinence-based self-empowerment program, sobriety priority. I love that, the self-empowerment. That's the part that I'm you know, really um, behind, uh, you know, stop this powerless and disempowering and keep the self-esteem low, I think, I love when you talk about, and the way you express yourself, uh, Jim, when you talk about the empowerment part of your program. Um, Jim's appeared over on th- over 300 radio and television shows, and um, you've had articles that have been uh, featured in the Los Angeles Times, the New York Times, the British Guardian, Newsweek, the Journal of American Medical Association, Glamour, Playboy, Modern Maturity, Professional Counselor, and Sober Times. So with all of that... When was the last time, and in what publication, did you get some free promotion about SOS? Oh, free promotion? Um, Which is what I'm calling it. Just where you got to write about SOS, but it got... Oh, well, I... um, When was the last time? Not long ago in some 
newspaper, I can't remember what, some interview that was done. I get called all the time. Oh, oh, I know what it was. You know, the, uh, I got, <laughs> it was Canadian, it was Canada. The Canadians are always up to something. So right. the, the Canadians uh, defied Caligula, if you will. I mean, mm-hmm. the Canadians started a couple of meetings in uh, AA, you know, the, the We Agnostics meetings in AA. Yes, they yes. They started something called Beyond Belief and We Agnostics, which began, I believe, in California years mm-hmm. ago. But anyway, the Canadians, this was the most recent interview a few months ago, whatever it was, the Canadians did this, and they were excommunicated, so to speak, from or delisted from the, from the AA, from, from from the AA, AA. gods. <laughs> That's right. And so they wrote a blog about this, uh, right. and uh, that made the front page of the Toronto, uh, the major paper in uh, Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so they interviewed me, and I gave my two cents worth. And I said, uh, AA is a religion in denial. It's okay that it's a religion, but I mean, it's, uh, you know, in, in denial about and I, They're just not going to come forth with that, but these right. folks have a right to exist and so forth. Right. But a lot of them started coming to Canadian SOS meetings. Some of them already went there, but they, uh, yeah. they, so I got permission to run that entire blog by the Canadians about their mm-hmm. excommunication in the SOS newsletter and people really liked that issue of the newsletter. It's still up by the way. Uh, it'll be coming down soon for a new issue but uh, that was a lengthy uh, and telling uh, blog that they you know it's pretty hard for a free thinker to survive uh, in the AA situation. Oh yeah yeah. There, the, the, I think that Part of what the bloggers that have become, you know, ex-steppers um, talk about so much is much more than why I started my whole cause, which was sexual predation, you know, 13-stepping and stuff. Right. But what I really escalated into seeing, you know, sponsor abuse and, you know, your best thinking got you here and what do you know? Like we have grown men talking to other grown men like I had a guy who left after 20 years. He wrote a book. He was on the show, David Darmstetter, and he said, you know, how dare somebody who's a sponsor talk down to you? He said, like, I have a job. I'm a successful writer, and I have a son who's in college who's not, you know, who's a good kid who was talking to him like he was a five-year-old and an idiot, telling him right. about how to run every aspect of his life. And I was like, when, did, what, when was that what AA was? You know, there's like that evolution into it. But um, so I'd like to put some of these other links. I certainly have your link up, you know, but I, I want to talk more about the, the other press you got. So the L.A. Times and the New York Times, um, when did that come about? When were well, you the L.A. Papers? Times, have they've done four feature articles on uh, SOS uh, over the years. They've done four, mm-hmm. two or three years ago they did the, most recent one, and then the New York Times was a while back when they were talking about uh, 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 sober and agnostic and so mm-hmm. forth, and they were talking about several groups, and and uh, including SOS, and then on the Pen and Teller, they had the guts to do, um, we still got a lot of calls from that, it's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> their their uh, twelve stepping show, which right, was, uh, it, hey, bullshit it was. It was a show they did right. called bullshit, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and yeah. they uh, and that took a lot of guts to uh, yeah, really to do did. that. 
But mm-hmm. the uh, they also came out with the, but it's not new news, that only about 5% mm-hmm. of the folks who go through AA remain sober. Now, that may say that addiction is difficult and, and rough and all that, but it also may say, and I think it says loudly, that we need alternatives. That's AA should right. remain, of course, but yeah. we need alternatives. Yeah, now I want to tell everybody we're talking to Jim Christopher. He's the founder of SOS, Save Ourselves, Secular for Sobriety. And we're going to take calls in about 10 more minutes. I want to still you know, talk to Jim about this program you have. Um, May so, I say something about sponsorship you asked yes. a moment ago? Yeah, okay, yeah. sponsorship, we deliberately don't have sponsorship. We have, We use the unique, we do something rather unique in SOS. We talk in human terms, not in bumper sticker <laughs> language. So we don't, we just don't have this dogma right. set up. So people who have been through the AA tunnel, Mm-hmm. When they come there, they sometimes that's too much freedom at first. They can they see, you know, where are the twelve steps and so forth. But others who have not been through the AA tunnel or never took it to heart, they think SOS makes good sense. Now on sponsorship, I saw I know it's the it's the toss of the dice. You could get someone who is a really caring, loving person as your sponsor, mm-hmm. but you also could get dominance and submission, and I, I usually tell folks, if you want that, you, there's a shop on Santa Monica Boulevard <laughs> that I could send you to. <laughs> You're really funny. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, so you go to a meeting. Now, I'm, I was supposed to go last week, and I couldn't get there, and tonight I've got to go to a PTA meeting. But I'm going to come next week um, to Good. experience and meet you and visit the meeting. So I would guess, because I can you know, you're there one meeting, that you also don't tell people that they have to give up their family and friends and attend meetings for the rest of their life or to go to 90 meetings in 90 days? No, there are a number of, <laughs> no, there are a number of people who, uh, in fact, one of the people on that Penn & Teller show, Les, who's been sober many years, he was one of the people I interviewed, and he said, 90 meetings in 90 days, I have a life. You know, I didn't, <laughs> you know that was one of the, the uh, uh, people who was on, on the uh, Penn and Teller thing. But right. the um, the idea of uh, playing out your life, like I heard early on in AA, which scared the hell out of me when someone said, this is a school from which we will never graduate. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Jesus, what am I, what is this place? Yeah. But uh, they, um, they do, uh, that's, you you might get if you if you go too far from AA you might be struck drunk and that's <laughs> not what we're saying in SOS uh, we're saying that uh, you have the freedom to be yourself and like a, an ex nun who used to do an SOS meeting she was a leader she said Jim folks in S in AA think you have to get good to get sober. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting good, but there are a lot of good people who, that are still drinking. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're, they're mixing up the issues, and we're not saying that you should, if you're stealing hubcaps, that you should continue to do so. We're, mm-hmm. We hope you won't, mm-hmm. won't do that, but, right. that, but that's uh, not what we're about. We're about getting clean and sober and staying clean and sober and supporting each other, and that's it. We're not about telling you how to live or, uh, you know, which restaurant to choose or anything like that. 
Right. And and what what do you think was the point where you grew, and what made you grow from a being in a few homes or at your kitchen table to now being all over the world? I mean, how many countries are you in? Uh, well, we're all over Western Europe, and we mm-hmm. we have some stuff, some presence in Eastern Europe and mm-hmm. and uh, Australia. I've been I've been to a lot of these places too. Uh, right. How did uh, it grow? How did it you know grow out uh, like that? Just from by by the exposure first through the Humanist magazine, which went all over the world, mm-hmm. and then these articles, which were national and then international, as I traveled uh, to these other places, you know, first to London and Wales and so forth, and then uh, the Guardian, the English paper, yeah, the and, Guardian, others, big paper. Uh, yeah. and then in Spain, the uh, this journalist interviewed me and so forth, so it just traveled in that way, and then people would say, gosh, I'd like to start something, because these are free anonymous meetings, we're a 501c3 nonprofit. we don't sell Tupperware, we don't have any <laughs> hidden agenda or anything mm-hmm. like that, this is just, you know, meetings support group meetings that's right, what right. they are support group meetings we don't have a laying on of hands or any of that right right and you don't hold hands at the end and say the lord's no. prayer i would guess do you sing a no, song we and do sit? Applaud. it's sort of <laughs> contrived but at the end we do applaud each other for being there just to have a closure mm-hmm. now have you ever spoken um there's an event i think it's once a year for all of the it's like parole officers and lawyers and judges that and, and social workers, maybe not judges, where they meet for um, you know to learn about what's the latest going on and you know um, oh, what's the name of it. But it's, they had it last year in Anaheim, and I think it would be so great if you did. You ever speak at at that um, I, national I, I did. I, I've attended uh, various. Uh, things like you're referring to. Right. Uh, here's something that may startle you, though. Uh, they I can't remember his name. I should have been prepared. But there was a fellow who died not long ago, and mm-hmm. he was the the founder of the N.A. National Alcohol, whatever. Right, right. right. So N.A. Triple D or something. Mm-hmm. Right, where they train these people. Now, guess where he came from? He he died, and, and yeah. it was a it was a wonderful article about him in this addiction magazine. And then I realized, oh, I see. He was the founder of that back in the day. Mm-hmm. He was strictly AA, right. and they founded this. Say, and he he uh, the article said he wanted to make sure that we were professional, we alcoholism counselors. So we're going to structure this and make it important and professional and so forth. But what they were doing was just. AA stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so, which is you know religion or spirituality or whatever you want to call it. So that's where he came from. That's where that organization came from. And so when this researcher was, uh, uh, who shall remain nameless, was doing stuff and interviewing us, smart recovery women for sobriety and so forth. Right. Uh, and uh, talked to this. Not that person necessarily, but whoever it was, it was a few years ago, this person was still living, it may have been that person. Right. Talked to those folks and said, uh, you know, these are alternatives in treatment so you can do client matching and help people better and so forth. And he said, well, we really, don't you know, there's nothing really needed besides AA. Nothing works besides AA. If wow. that's the attitude out there, and of course, as you well know, the blatant uh, uh, 
violation of separation of church and state yeah, goes yeah. on all the time. If you take government money right. and you do AA, you had better, now that it has teeth, with legis- not legislation but court cases, not ours, but court cases that have been won, one had better, uh, if you're offering AA, you better offer right by its side SOS, Women for Sobriety and Smart Recovery. Yeah, I um, I just read an article, uh, an author, Gabrielle Glasser, is writing a book, and um, she sent me a link about uh, these in colleges, it's so disturbing, these recovery um, pods or recovery programs that have received over like $500,000 in government funds, and I'm like, Hmm, that sounds like um little, you know, the church and state thing going on. If you're getting government money and all it is is 12-step, it's the kind of thing that I'd like to help you and the other options. I even want to say, like a lot of us don't even want to say alternatives. I'm trying to say other options. So that, you know, let's get you into the colleges. Let's get you into the high schools so people can talk about, you know, it's absurd that there's an AA meeting at the Culver City High School. Like, I think that's insane right. now. Right. You know, that's One thing to... I noticed about the colleges, which is, uh, uh, I mean, we just have to deal with the realities and work from that point. That's right. Uh, the professor is ready, willing, and able, uh, the addiction professor usually at a college, uh, you know, Folks, go out and visit SOS, go to Women for Sobriety, go to Smart Recovery, uh, go to AA, NACA, and so forth. He's telling these people to do this. We've had them come to our meetings, and some of them are respectful, but some of them say things that I would never say if I went to an AA meeting. It would be rude and unconscionable to behave in that manner. Mm. But but the reason Mm -hmm. is these students, I mean, this is pretty easy to figure out, these students quote, students, end quote, already were in AA or NA or CA before they decided, I want to be a counselor. And so when they went in, it doesn't matter what the professor says, you know, be open for your clients, be ecumenical, be, you know, go. Mm -hmm. They have to do it because the course tells them to do it, but they're already AAites. Right, right. Wow. Um, I'm talking to Jim Christopher, the founder of Secular for Sobriety, SOS Save Ourselves. Um, he is in Hollywood, California, and so am I in Los Angeles, California. Um, if you would like to call in and ask uh, Jim and myself a question at 818-475-9211. It's 818-475-9211. Um, so at, at this point now, do you have anyone who does public relations for you? NSOS? Not really, no. Yeah. So you know how that works in AA, right? I mean, you were in it for a few years, but I did service in it and definitely know that you have a lot of, you know, B do gooder AAs, which I was once, you know, full drinking Kool Aid person um, member where you go out and, you know, people do this. And so I've sort of made it my mission uh, to, and I want to really thank you for being a guest on my show, and I'm going to come out and interview for my documentary. But that um, I become like <clears throat> the free, the free PR person for you and Smart and and um, Women for Sobriety. I have to go to one of their meetings first. But um, you know, there's a couple of other people who've written books, and as well as you know, maybe get all of your books on my blogs 
you know, build um, a place where all the books that I've read that have helped me um, to understand a different way of looking at um, alcohol uh, abuse and, and drug overuse. I don't even want to use it, the words anymore, Jim. I don't want to use the word alcoholism and addiction because they're so overused. No. You know what I mean? You, for me, to call a teenager an alcoholic and tell them that they are doomed and gloomed for life that they are, you know, have to be going to WIPA events for the rest of their lives and be giving back to, you know, AA and not ever. To me, it's just I can't, I can't understand it anymore. Well, that's how you build things. It's not necessarily the best way. In, in SOS, I know <clears throat> that some scientists have said uh, this works well, perhaps too well. Meaning that, you know, since we don't say that you'll be struck drunk if you don't attend meetings, I know a number of SOSers who just aren't much for meetings, they check in once in a while or you know that they're doing okay or mm -hmm. maybe you don't, but you see them two or three years later and they're doing just fine. Right. Other people love meetings because they're a way to for camaraderie and sharing their recovery and so forth. It's just a... It's a, it's up to the individuals, but they know that they do not have to play out their lives in meetings of any kind. Now, that doesn't grow an organization, but mm -hmm. uh, I can go to bed at night and sleep well and uh, die happily knowing that I didn't contribute to anything that made someone feel like a slave in a cult. Right, right. Now, you said that one of the books that you really enjoyed writing um, maybe if you could talk about it, Escape from Nicotine Country. So, oh, yes. Yeah, tell us a little bit about year, that. I have the 13th annual funeral for the unknown smoker at the, <laughs> with the casket open, and the casket is startling because inside the casket is a men and women's body parts put together years ago by Color Ma Colors Magazine from Italy, mm -hmm. and they... Uh, they gave me permission to use this as long as I say it's from Colors Magazine. Right. And uh, so at the Festival of Recovery, for four years, that's been held at the Center for Inquiry here. And uh, this year it will be held at, at SHARE, S-H-A-R-E, apostrophe, I mean, uh, exclamation point, SHARE in Culver City. Okay. And at that will be the Funeral for the Unknown Smoker, uh, SOS, um Women for Sobriety, Smart Recovery, uh, NACA, oh, uh, etc. Et all that? of these are under one roof. Yeah, it, the date of this, the fifth annual uh, Festival of Recovery is uh, uh, April 28th, a Saturday, all day. Mm -hmm. Doors open at 9. It's all free right. and also free parking and free lunch, okay. just like when we had it at our center. But right. at SHARE... The share is at 6666 Green Valley Circle in Culver City. Okay. And uh, that's uh, going to have all of these meetings. It also is, is, uh, includes mental health uh, as well. So it's not only uh, addictions but uh, mental health issues as well. And it has all these booths with free literature and everything. It was my uh, idea that this would be a, a common cause Mm -hmm. breakthrough mm -hmm. so that you could under one roof you could find all of these uh helpful things that whatever your your uh, issues might um, be. Wow, this is great. You know, it's when I 
I thought like three years ago, here I am like sober at that point, 33 years, you know, and I live in Los Angeles. You think, you know, the, the media mega capital of the world. And I thought I was going to have to start another program. Like me and this other woman who had like 30 years were like meeting and thinking, well, what, what will we call it, you know, and we have, we have to create something new and something more today, like because we felt hay was so useless, <laughs> so yeah. Like, you know, for where we were at and that it was so antiquated. And here you, and I even thought to myself, we should get all of these things together, you know, like what you're happening, it's happening already. And I was thinking, once I discovered that you all existed, wouldn't that be great if we have a conference that, like, all these other options are there? And it's there, but I think the sad part about it, which is the thing that I want to help change, is that not enough people know about it. And, you know, when was the last time you were written up in the New York Times or um, the Huffington Post or those online stuff or interviewed by the Associated Press? When you, Especially if you could link it to, you know, maybe Whitney Houston and Amy Winehouse were just, you know, 12-step was just shoved and shoved down their throat and Amy Winehouse did not want to go to rehab. Right. And did she know about you or about smart or about women for sobriety or did she know about a moderation program that maybe she said i don't want to stop drinking i want to do harm reduction i want to get she drunk once didn't. a week you know what i mean she probably yeah. did not That's now right. i want to uh, announce something else too that'll be at that festival because it's something that is dear to me and i'm uh, working on a new book about it too uh mm -hmm. ABAC, that's mm -hmm. Adults Bullied as Children. I was mm -hmm. one of those targeted, you know, you're too uh, too frail, you're too white, you're too black, you're too gay, you're too uh, this, you're too that. Wh right. Whatever reason that you're targeted in uh, by your peers or siblings or authority figures and uh, humiliated, shamed, bullied, and so forth, I'm I'm thrilled about what's happening to the to try to help people who are currently being bullied as yeah. children. Yeah. But people who who have reached adulthood of whatever age, they've dealt with it for years, the impact of having been bullied and so a support group like that is uh, I think needed and so I'm I'm starting this and in the I'm launching this group ABAC adults mm -hmm. bullied as children at um, the uh, free anonymous at the uh, festival of recovery. Well, and you know that film is getting a lot of press uh, that they're trying to change the rating from R to PG-13 so that the kids who really need to be attending, which are the middle schoolers, you know, the ones who are 12, 13, and 14. You know about that documentary that's that's going to be released. I think it's already. Right, about the Made. fight for the rating. Right. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think you're right in you know, in tune with uh, something that needs to definitely be addressed. Um so we're talking to Jim Christopher, um as from SOS, a secular for sobriety, save ourselves from Hollywood, California. And the number to call in, um we have some people in the chat room. Hi there, I don't they're all in there anonymously. Normally I know some of the chatters, but it's eight one eight four seven five ninety two eleven and um, we have about 20 minutes left. I have one caller. I don't know if he wants to see who if he wants to say anything. Hi there, caller. Do you want to do you want to chat, ask hey, a question? Monica, how are you doing? Hey, good. How are you hey, doing, Kev? Not bad. No, it's great. Great show. I think uh, Jim's saying some very right on things, and uh, 
what really struck me is what he mentioned about the attitude of uh, some of the people in the rooms and the language that you, you know, can't believe that they get away with saying. Mm. Uh, quite a common thing, I think, in AA. And uh, it just uh, was just refreshing to hear and say, mention that uh, that's pretty much unheard of in SOS, which uh, piques my interest even more of attending. Mm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. you know, SOS, the, we're we're working for, uh, or so someone told me it was a woman who told me early on. I like SOS because it's uh, more into self empowerment rather than learned helplessness. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what she said. Yeah, I wow. like that. I like that. I think. Um, don't you think it's yeah. time too for you know something that was written? Uh, there, I was at an event recently to try to do some outreach for safety for youth in, in AA, and um, it's the second time, you know, in maybe six months that I've heard literature because I stopped going to, you know, meetings. And there's that line from Chapter 3, and it says, um, science may one day, ac- one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. And I said, guys, what are you lis- they, they're listening to it like it was today. You know, and it was written in the late 30s. Like, now Trexon actually works for some people. There's a lot of bloggers who left AA after 18 years and took Naltrexon to help with the cravings for 30 days. And that's mm-hmm. it. Like, there's all kinds of, there's cognitive behavioral therapy. There's, you know, all kinds of your program and other programs to um, address people who want to stop drinking heavily and using drugs. And to think that what Bill Wilson wrote in 1939 is the answer and and repeating it and reading it over and over again like it has value in 2012 is insane. And when I brought this up to them, I said, guys, did you hear what you just read? You know, it said, may science, it said science in, if I went to my dentist, you know, back in the 30s, or if I was a woman, I went to my OBGYN in the 30s, you know what they would be doing to me? Yeah, they're frozen in the past with their material. They won't change one word of it. I think they try to get around that in 12-step by coming up with a gazillion different brochures to address mm-hmm. different issues, but they're not going to change anything in the in the big book. But the most uh, distressing chapter is the is the or demeaning one is the chapter to the agnostics mm-hmm. which basically says you poor thing you will come to believe <laughs> you know you know what's so funny is for myself who's somebody who was always like a prayer you know spiritual which i don't even like using the word now because it's been ruined for me um, because it's so overused and misused, but I've always, you know, there were very brief, brief periods in my life where I didn't want to pray or meditate or, you know, or chant or whatever, but I liked that kind of thing, not religions per se, but some religions, you know, I respect them because they're real religions. But I really identify or now find myself kind of the like-mindedness. I'm with the people like you and people who are, who don't want faith-based recovery? Right. You know, even a, the, yeah. They may be, they may be even believers, but they don't want faith-based recovery. Right. Right. They I, want, I, they, they want something secular is more uh, open to everyone. Like if uh, 
everybody goes to a ball game uh, or something, they're gonna, not going to turn to the person next to them and say, are you a Catholic, are you a Buddhist, are you a Jew? I mean, you know, they're, right. they're there for the for the event uh, for a specific purpose, and, they, and it doesn't matter whether they're religious or non-religious or, you know, that sort of thing just doesn't matter. Um, I wanted to mention uh, one thing that will be at the festival that, that we're bringing in, uh, that I think is sort of wonderful. Mm-hmm. There's this this uh, woman. Uh, she does. She's doing Beauty 101: Makeup Techniques for the Empowerment of Women in Recovery. She's worked with terminal, terminally ill patients. She's a makeup specialist, mm-hmm. makeup mm-hmm. artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, named Mercy M E R C I. She's uh, going to be there at a, a, have a place at our booth. And maybe have a, a demonstration there or a seminar, but she's going to do one here later on, a month or so later. But people will learn about it at the festival. And she's worked with terminally ill patients at uh, Cedar Sinai and other places, you know, to uh, uh, make them feel better to, uh, yeah. to uh, do this. And so. Uh, I think this is really neat. This is totally non-profit. There's no money or anything like that involved in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she will be there uh, do it, you know, telling folks about it and letting them know, know about her free seminar that she's going to hold here later. But she may uh, hold one there at the festival I'm not, I'm, that's being set up. I'm not sure. But she will be there uh, telling folks about it. Um, what happens if so, if so, somebody comes to a meeting an SOS meeting um and they say that they cuz I just saw Kenneth Anderson he's in the queue in the chat room um and he has a harm reduction in New York and they don't want to stop um they don't want abstinence they um want to just drink less uh that's well now speaking of SOS SOS if someone comes to an SOS meeting and they say gosh I don't know who, what I am yet. I don't know what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm exploring these things. I'm coming here. I think they will also, I can't speak for AA, but I think they'd also be basically welcome at AA, but maybe this would be thrown at them at an AA meeting. Well, I mean, of course, you're welcome here, but, uh, you know, you know why you're here. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have come here if dot, 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 <laughs> so forth. We don't do that at SOS, but... Uh, if someone's exploring, they don't know yet, that sort of thing. However, if in all fairness about us, if someone comes to an uh, SOS meeting and they say, you know, I've made my decision, I want to drink moderately, that's where I'm coming from, uh, that's what I'm after, uh, so I want to come join you in your abstinence-based meetings, mm. we'd say, well, that's inappropriate. I mean, you, right. we can't help you here. This is, you know, go to moderation management or something. That's that's down the street, but that's not us. Right. So it's so it is abstinence-based, which smart is too, but they just, it's a softer, you know, there's not the arrogance of, um, you know, like you just said, of while well, you're in denial or, well, yeah, we'll keep coming back, but, um, you know, with all the rhetoric, I think, uh, I, I don't think people were that way way back when i think before aa was big they were probably a little more uh humble because they wanted more members you know what i'm saying they weren't hitting people over the head I right that may be mm-hmm. i don't know but i i know that that i've been told uh i've been told that 
back in the day, I mean way back in the day, you know, before the big book was written and all that, that AA, I don't know if this is true, but it more resembled SOS in that it was let's stop drinking. You know, mm-hmm. let's let's all get together and uh, support each other and let's stop drinking. They didn't go on and on about the uh, the religious aspect so much. So I've been told, but I do know that they're transmogrified from that uh, that uh, uh, guy that uh, liked Hitler years ago. I mean, maybe oh, that's yeah. unfair to say, but right, he the did. Oxford movement, right? The Oxford movement. <laughs> yeah. The founder of that was. Uh, uh, sort of pro Hitler, but uh, I know. Yeah, I was really shocked to find that that's, out too. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but anyway, that's where they came from, and they appreciate Frank Buckman. That's who right, was. right. Frank Buckman. They appreciated him. Bill Wilson appreciated him and said, "Thank you very much, but we're we're going to go on our own way." They were they began as the alcoholic arm of the Oxford movement, but they uh, the Oxford group, but they. Uh, did appreciate his efforts, and you know those twelve steps are basically based on the old uh, Oxford uh, group steps. Mm-hmm. I mean that's what it is. It's it's uh, reworked for to address addiction, but that's basically what it is. You uh, that's why it's uh, has uh, the word God in there so many times. Right, right. Now your book, How to Stay Sober. What would you say? Um, Somebody they've never been to AA or NA, and they come to your a meeting. They've had, you know, they've been drinking um, daily or almost daily, and getting drunk when they don't want to get drunk, and they, well, they want to stop. They're actually ready to stop. What would you say? What's in your book that um, is going to help this person? Well, I think that uh, what has been helpful to me personally, and. Uh, a lot of other people, and I want to say this. What I'm about to tell you, in SOS, you can reject completely because it's a free thought forum. You could say, Jim, uh, that just isn't my cup of tea. I jump on a trampoline every third Wednesday. That's how I stay clean and sober. Mm -hmm. And you would be just as welcome as someone who uh, uses this uh, method. But what I discovered accidentally was what I call the the separate issue self-empowerment uh, sobriety priority method, and that is that uh, I just had this sudden feeling of, of uh, I can't do this anymore. I mean, what is this? Mm-hmm. What is my life? What is this? I can't, you know, I just saw like a big neon sign, and lo- you know, with a big gasp of breath. <gasps> Right. This is this is what is this? I can't right. do this anymore. And I didn't know what was waiting for me out there mm-hmm. or would mm-hmm. I have to crawl on glass? Would I have to uh you know uh go, you know believe in things that I don't ordinarily like to believe in or what, whatever I had to do, right. I would do it to mm-hmm. not go back I I can't whatever is out there, I can't drink anymore. And and so I just clung to that in a very visceral way and it wasn't what I don't call it a a fear sobriety I I call it uh what I feared was uh, I did a complete flip uh and that's what you do you you can't they 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 use terms and I'm not blasting anyone but rational recovery for instance they're not there's nothing rational about addiction that's the in the in the deep brain and one gets addicted a cycle of addiction and so forth mm-hmm. 
So getting sober, the easier, as one of her members said, I like the easier, softer way. <laughs> so, you know, I had enough pain as an alcoholic. So uh, the the easier, softer way or the way to do it easily uh, and very effectively is to flip it so that you see the truth and you keep the truth in mind that I can't drink and use and get away with it. And you feel that viscerally and you want a life instead of a bottle mm-hmm. and and you want uh, that as a separate issue from everything else. Now, if your mom hit you with a two by four back in 1912, that's horrible, but mm-hmm. that isn't why you stayed in. It may have been what took you in mm-hmm. uh, to dr- to turn to drugs or booze. Uh, some people have been you know, raped as a child or, or in my case, mm-hmm. uh, bullied as a child. Mm-hmm. These components of things, uh, uh, clusters of things, may have taken you in. But what keeps you in is you get addicted. You get That's why they call it chemical dependency. You, right. you get uh, trapped in this cycle, and then you have to get out of it. And to get out of it is not done. Uh, there's nothing wrong with the rational frontal lobes, uh, but... I don't think people should try to put a tuxedo on on uh, the limbic system or the deep brain because we ought to respect and love that part of us. Uh, Carl Sagan says, you know, our brains are sort of like New York City with layer after layer after layer. <laughs> so you cannot you cannot put down or poo-poo the power of the deep brain. Yeah. Uh, like that commercial used to say, it's not nice to try to fool Mother <laughs> Nature. So the thing you can do is get sober in a very visceral way i'm not saying this is the only way but you get you get very visceral about it just as and very you just flip it you get as visceral about it as you were about getting a drink or a fix or a pill and you don't have to carry placards down the street it's just that you get very serious about it and uh, uh, there was a recent article that talked about people successfully staying sober. They, it said basically they have a mindfulness about their situation. Mm-hmm. They don't go around obsessing about it, holding on to the railing or anything. That's not what I'm talking about. In the beginning, they might hold on to the railing, you know, as they get get their bearings and so forth. Right. But then you you get a very relaxed, not complacent or uh, flippant, just very relaxed thing of i i can't drink or use and get away with it but so what there's so much going on in life besides i mean when you think about it it's pretty ludicrous that someone uh doesn't realize that there's so much going on in life besides uh you know ethyl alcohol in a bottle right right and i think uh over the years you know like i mean i identified a lot with you that i was very very happy to be sober and i got sober on my own as well and went up at a meeting two weeks later, but I was, you know, really ecstatic about just being sober and not craving a drink or wanting to drink. I think the thing that I observed, though, is people who are in AA and, and have even the people who have really worked the steps and the program, that if you get into the teen years and these are people who were abused as children, that they beget to get a little weird. Like if people don't get help, with their mental health, with their emotional health, uh, if they don't go to therapy and and deal with the fact that they were molested or raped or bullied or something, that right. people get really tweaked. Right. And you find somebody with 20 years really sick who hasn't oh, had a sure. drink. 
but really sick and addiction, you know, swift switching from one thing to another without picking up a drink and, uh, you know, really in a lot of pain. And um, so I, for myself, that's when I began to see that there were many lies in the big book for myself when I was 15 or 16, 17 years and I had a, a small child that I, you know, gave birth to and was taken care of and realized that, um, you know, things in my childhood needed to be addressed then. And uh, I found that when I read the book or they talked about anger and rage was for the, you know, this person, that it was one big lie and that how deadly that is to tell people they shouldn't have their feelings. Like not that I have to, um, what's the word, that I'm not going to, um, I can't think of the word that I'm thinking of, but uh, just that um, growth needs to happen. And I saw at a certain point kind of early on that there could be no other growth using that program over and over like a little rat wheel that I needed other tools, and they didn't exist in that world. Not in world. that program, they don't. That's true. That's right. And um, Well, and also in SOS, I want to make clear, we're not a magic bullet, and we don't have all the answers in our program, but if somebody is no longer pickled, they have an opportunity to then reach out to a therapist, perhaps, go back right. to college, or whatever right. they want to do in their right. new uh, in their new life, as they they have a new life now and have reclaimed their lives, and in this they can sit on the bleachers of life and just observe, and that's cool if they want to do that. But a lot of people want to, you know, address these horrid issues that they've right, they've right. had, for, but they can't address them if they're uh, uh, drunk or stoned or. Uh, you know, on some some uh, illicit drugs, they can't they can't address these issues as well as they could if they get off that stuff. Absolutely. So we have about three minutes left. I want to do just a little more um, promotion for everything that you're working on. So we're talking with Jim Christopher from SOS Secular for Sobriety Save Ourselves, which you can find at sossobriety.org to find a meeting near you or to contact Jim. There's also going to be um, a fifth annual um, Festival of Recovery that's going to happen at SHARE, which is at 666 Green Valley Circle. Um, four sixes. Four sixes. Six, 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 six Green Valley. Thank you, <laughs> Green Valley Circle that's in Culver City on the west side. And um, anything else that you want to just uh, just do a little more promotion about anything? Well, yeah, our meetings are free and anonymous, and uh, the one that I do on Tuesday nights at the Center uh, for Inquiry is uh, here in, in Hollywood, on Hollywood at Berendo. But the Festival of Recovery uh, has all of these options there, as well as AANA and so forth. And then the uh, ABAC group that I want to launch there, anyone is welcome to attend that uh demonstration meeting it's uh, adults bullied as children and so i'm uh, pretty excited about that well i'm really really happy to uh, have you on jim um, we'll do it again i will see you next week at the meeting Great. and we'll talk about the interview i want to thank kevin for calling in and and listening and for kenneth anderson you're out there in the chat room and we have a few other people in the chat room who are anon anonymously in there Thank you so much, Jim, and thank you, everybody, for joining me. I'll be back next week. 
for the anniversary, my one year of having uh, the Blog Talk Radio. And uh, just remember that it's uh, we're empowered and not powerless, and spread the word that there's other options to a recovery from any kind of addiction or alcohol abuse. All righty. Um, thanks again, Jim. And my thanks, pleasure. Kevin, and we'll talk soon. We'll see everybody next week. Thank you okay. so much. All right. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Good night.